For thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible was meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! Yeah! Welcome to episode 15 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Tuckman. We are coming to you from Beauty Bar in New York City in front of a live audience. Let's hear it for you guys. Yeah! Yeah. So each month on the show, a guest joins me and tries to read as many chapters as possible of my own personal translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew while I make fun of it. Today is Monday, November 25th, 2013. This week is Thanksgiving, which is insane. I'm yelling about it. Thanksgiving and Hanukkah are on the same fucking day. This is a once-in-a-lifetime chance for Jews to celebrate Thanksgiving by eating a giant meal and watching football while simultaneously celebrating Hanukkah by lighting two candles. You don't... There's not that much that happens for Hanukkah. It's, it's a minor holiday. It's not that big a deal. I w- let, let's get the bookkeeping out of the way before we jump right into the, the big uh, reading stuff. So my next show I want to tell you about, I'm really excited. The next live episode, if you are in New York, happening smack in the middle of the holiday season, is December 30th at 7 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. Uh, at 7 p.m. I just said that. It's on West 29th Street. My guest next month, I'm really excited to, excited to have her on the program. Her name is Lux Alptrum. She is the proprietor of Fleshbot.com. So if you've heard of that site, you'll know how interesting this is going to be. We're going to read about, uh, we're probably going to read about the whole thing with Dina and uh, some guy who takes some interest in her. So it's the perfect thing for somebody with her uh, with her job to read. But enough about next month's guests. Let's get our guest today onto the stage. He is a comics writer and an artist. I've known him for, I realize today, almost a decade, which is terrifying. His new book, which he's working on for Marvel, Long Shot Saves the Marvel Universe. Issue 2 went on newsstands last week on Wednesday. I just bought it today, and I'm holding it up in front of the entire audience. You can't see anything on it right now. Please give it up for Chris Hastings. Chris making his way onto the stage. How you doing, Chris? How are you? You can you don't have to respond right away because you have to bring your mic on. It's a it's a it's a smaller stage than we're used to here at Beauty Bar, but it's an intimate crowd. We're feeling good. How are you doing, Chris? Great. I have navigated my microphone. How do we sound? We sound good. John? Give me a thumbs up. Oh, you have to turn on your microphone. Let's get the mic on. It's a learning curve. It's a new venue. We have no idea what we're doing. That sounds good. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great, David. I figured I had a Merkel microphone. <laughs> That's awesome. The audience can hear you. The people on the internet can hear you. Are you excited? How, how are, I mean, I'm really excited for your comics. Um, thanks. I enjoy making them. Yeah? Uh, yeah, thanks for the long <laughs> shot plug. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never done a comic like that. Uh, Longshot's power is that he is magically lucky. Right. So uh, he's the perfect person to save the Marvel Universe. Yeah, well, I mean, when you basically just have, like, oh, the writer just, to get, get, just gets to make up luck for you, you're, <laughs> you're, you're more powerful than Galactus you at that point, <laughs> technically. <laughs> like, at least that's Spider-Man can run a, out of webbing. I love that you reference Galactus, because that's such a specific thing. I really wanted to have him go against Galactus, but they wouldn't let me. Oh, those assholes. Yeah. I shouldn't say that about your employer. That's awesome. You're writing... <laughs> 
Well, that's because Galactus is currently busy at the moment. Right, that's, yes. And everyone's doing, on different books. They're doing different things. Yeah, that's a big deal when working with Marvel is you have to get like approval for all your characters because they're always showing up in different books. <laughs> you got to wrangle them. What's Galactus up to these? No, we don't have to talk about this. I can tell you. What's Galactus up to these days? He's destroying the Ultimate Universe. Oh, wait, is that all the... <laughs> We got some big fans of the Ultimate Marvel Universe here in the back. <laughs> We're sp- <laughs> destroying the Ultimate Universe. Oh, okay, the opposite of fans. You must be happy that Ultimate Spider-Man died. Sorry, spoiler. He or- doesn't. He's going to be brought into the regular universe. Wait, but okay, I don't even want to get into this. <laughs> Let's talk about a much less complicated mythos, the Old Testament. <laughs> Chris, are, are you, you're not Jewish, are you, Christopher? Uh, no, I was raised Catholic. Okay. So do you have a lot of experience with this text? Have you, do you know a lot about the Bible? Um, I, uh, in a Jeopardy sense, I do. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I used to actually lead... Um, the the like the rosary like in in my in mass and like yeah. I would do the readings in during mass yeah uh, so I don't know what that means oh that means that I'm doing exactly this but for uh, a larger group of people that are a lot older okay <laughs> do you have so have you ever read like the entire thing straight through the old and the new testament have you read every story or have you just read pieces of it yes I've read the entire thing oh my god so what's your favorite you could really answer this question and be knowledgeable about it. What's your favorite character or story in the entire? Uh, as, like, growing up Catholic, like, I really was into the Book of Revelations, which I don't think is in your version. No? Uh, <laughs> We're not going to get to that. <laughs> because it's so crazy. <laughs> it is like... I like, wish we could. But... Like, an a man dog came down, he blew three <laughs> trumpets, and lo, did we know we would die. Oh, my God. Like, it's, it's filled with so many crazy images. And it's how the world's going to end. Yeah, sure. Or it was a bunch of symbolism about some current political events I found yeah. out when I went to a heathen college. Or somebody ate the wrong mushrooms. Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's another question. What are you doing for Christmas? Um... Well, I'm married, uh, yeah. so I have to do the thing where you, you split your holidays between your in-laws and your real family. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it goes vice versa. For Your from, family for, now, for Chris. My wife, they are too. your real family. I do. I see yeah. them more than my real family yeah. <laughs> uh, because I'm from West Virginia. Uh, her family lives in Staten Island, and so uh, my mother has decided just she doesn't care. This year, Christmas is on December 7th. <laughs> uh, because this is the year that, uh, that my wife's family gets us. Uh-huh. So we, we're doing Christmas next week. Okay. <laughs> kind of like the Jewish calendar. just moves around depending, yeah, on, the moon, depending yeah, on people's needs. The, uh, the Jewish calendar if it's and my too mother's early, calendar are the same. Yeah, great. This is a, so before we get into it, this is a question that I ask all of my guests. Chris, what's your earliest memory of me? Oh, um, let's see. I think probably meeting at a something awful <laughs> goon meet. Yeah. I think you were dating a lady named Stephanie at the time. I was. Uh, and I don't, No, I, th- I was. Yes, I was. Were, was that the one where we, we went to go Let's not talk take about a that. tour? Uh, talk about where we met or the relationship? No, 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 the tour. Well, hold on, hold on. Where are you going? We took a tour of what? The Church of Scientology. Uh, I was not at that one. You were not at that no, one? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. I right. thought you were going to say something different that um, happened in your basement that was probably not legal. Oh, the Fight Club. Yeah. 
We met before that. Yeah. No, that was the first thing I was at, I think. Oh, okay, cool. There were a lot of <laughs> squirrely nerds, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around. I may have um, faded, uh, blended in. It feels in. unfair to not lay out a basic idea of what went down. <laughs> uh, I don't live there anymore, and yeah. so I feel like I'm I not... I think we should tell All right, people. so basically, uh, David and I are members of an internet forum, and uh, we, uh, somebody would put together regular uh, New York meets of these forum members, and they would always have some sort of crazy activity, like the aforementioned touring of the Church of Scientology, or, like, nice things, too, like... Yeah, like, like going on feeding the... each other up in, their, in your basement. No, no, we're not to that yet. Okay, okay, uh, sorry. No, like, like uh, buying uh, presents for Ronald McDonald House that's at right, Toys R Us. That's right, Like, that was a big one. That was that And was then nice. also beating the shit out of each other <laughs> in my basement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we just, we I decided to have a couple of boxing matches in my basement. One person died. One person Just one, okay. got knocked out in one punch, and it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, my it God. It was so amazing. 20-year-old me was we had, amazed. We had EMTs on the spot. That's right. That's true. There was a they were trained paramedics. illegal but well-regulated <laughs> gambling system in place. Yes. Uh, they didn't wear boxing gloves. They wore kickboxing gloves, <laughs> which aren't meant to protect your opponent's face, but your knuckles. <laughs> And we had a lot of cardboard on the floor. And, and friendships that will last a lifetime were made that night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's read the Bible. Let's do it. All right. You guys excited for chapter 27? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's set the stage. Previously in the Bible, God created everything, including Avraham, his son Yitzchak, and Yitzchak's kids, Esau and Yaakov. Yaakov pissed off Esau so bad, Esau wanted to kill him. So Yaakov ran to his uncle Lavan's house. He worked for Lavan for 14 years in exchange for a whole lot of animals and four women. Then he ran away and prepared for his approaching estranged brother. This is Torah, a loose translation. In the beginning, chapter 27, in which Yaakov wrestles... I wrote naked, but probably not naked. Yaakov wrestles with a man who is either the corporal avatar of a god come down to this earthly plane, or just some guy who likes anonymous wrestling. (laughs) Yaakov sent messengers to scout... Yeah, so the messengers here, the same word that's used for angels. Maybe Yaakov sent messengers, or maybe he sent angels. Probably messengers, though. Some people say angels. Sorry. Continue. To scout out his brother Esau in the land of Seir, in the field of Edom. Edom, of course, is Esau's nickname because of the red soup he sold his birthright for and the disgusting red hair that covers his entire body. So the field was named after him, I guess. I don't. My lord Esau, Yaakov commanded his messengers say, your slave Yaakov sends this message. I've been living with Lavan this time. I have bulls, donkeys, sheep, slaves, and lady slaves. I'm sending this stuff to you, my master, in the hopes that you don't still want to kill me. We went back to your brother Esau, the messenger said when they got back. He's actually on his way to meet you, and he has like 400 guys with him. Which is, when did Esau become a massive warlord? This is turning into a very serious civil rivalry, especially since we have no idea how many folks are in Yaakov's group. Yaakov was fucking terrified. This really freaked him out. He split his nation, his sheep, his cattle, and his donkeys into two camps. If Esau attacks one camp, Yaakov said, the other one will be okay. What if he attacks both camps? Yehovah, God of my father Abraham and my father Yitzchak, Yaakov, <laughs> Yaakov said, presumably to Yehovah, 
by the way, last chapter, um, he referred to God as Yitzhak's dread, but now he's referring to it as Yitzhak's God. <laughs> Yitzhak got an upgrade, I guess. <laughs> you who told me to return to my land, to my birthplace, and you will make food for me. I've been cut down by all the kindness and truth you've done for me. With this verse, Yaakov invented sarcasm. After crossing the Jordan with my staff, I've split my camp in two. So, by the way, according to Rashi, a medieval commentator who sends a lot of fun stuff on this text, um, some people think that when Yaakov says he crossed the Jordan with his staff, he literally split the Jordan in half with his staff, Moses style, and the text didn't feel like telling us about it. Please, save me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm scared he's going to kill me, along with my women and children. You told me you'd do a lot of good for me that my offspring would be like the sand of the sea. So many they can't be counted. He's got you there, God. Yaakov spent the night there. Where, by the way? Machanaim, the place that he named last camp? We, don't, we have no idea. We don't know which camp he's in, but he spent the night there. He sent a tribute to Esau from all the stuff he had. It included 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats. So I'm going to stop you there. This is something that I noticed... Um, while I was preparing for this, I was reading through Rashi, and he says a crazy thing after the 200 she-goats and the 200 he-goats. That's 20, or sorry, 10 she-goats to every one he-goat. So according to him, this is where the sages learn how often a husband should have sex with his wife. Um, those who stroll every day, like normal people who don't have a busy job, should have sex every day. The laborers, twice a week. The donkey drivers, which is an occupation that's widely populated right now, once a week. The camel drivers, once every 30 days, because you know what that does to you. The sailors, once every six months. So, just so you know. Most of us, every day, tell that to your wives, your girlfriends. That's what the Torah says. 200 youths, 20 rams, 30 nursing camels and their children... 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 she-donkeys, and 10 he-donkeys. Rounding, or making a round total of 550 animals that Yaakov sent as a tribute to make nice with his brother. The guy has a lot of animals. He gave each flock to a slave. Go on ahead of me, he told the slaves, and put some space between the flocks. To make them seem even more overwhelming. When you meet my brother Esau, he commanded the first slave, and he asks you, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? A totally normal sentence in the context of the Bible, but not anywhere else. Where are you going? Whose she-goats are these? Tell him, they belong to your slave, Yaakov. They're a tribute he sent to you, my master, Esau. Also, he is behind us. Yaakov also commanded the second slave and the third slave and all the slaves who were walking with the flocks to say the same thing when they got to Esau. Say this, he told them, but most important is the part where you go, Behold, your slave Yaakov is behind us. I will wipe that frown off Esau's face with all the animals I'm sending him, Yaakov said, and then I will face him, and hopefully he will face me. The tribute left, and Yaakov spent the night to camp. Here we go. That night, he got up and took his two women, his lady slaves, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of Yabok. First of all, his women and his lady slaves, that's the family that he has, and his eleven sons, not mentioned Dina. 
Why? According to Rashi, Yaakov was worried that Esav might see her and rape her, so he hid her in a box. (laughs) He took them, crossed the stream, and took across all his stuff. Yaakov was alone. He tangled with a man until dawn. Okay. Usually the translation here is wrestled, but I, I heard from this guy, Amichai Lalavi, who runs something called storytelling, um, and he has a, a thing called lab shul, which is a really interesting ritual practice, um, that the, the word here is vayavak, um, which means dust. So Yaakov and the man, just referred to as the man, did something that kicked up a lot of dust. Maybe it was wrestling, maybe they were fucking, we don't know. When the man saw he could not, he touched Yaakov's thigh bone, dislocating it while they grappled. Again, um, first of all, the word here is ish, which really just means man. Very, very mysterious and weird. Uh, some people say this guy is God. Some say it's an angel that represents Asav. Personally, I think it's just some dude who wanders the desert asking people, want to wrestle? <laughs> also, this maneuver is a little odd. He touches Yaakov's thigh bone. Uh, here, if, if you remember chapter 9, when Avraham sent his slave to get a woman for Yitzhak, um, Avraham had the slave place his hand under Avraham's thigh. The commentators say that means he had the slave put his hand on Yaakov's dick. So when this mysterious man touches Yaakov's thigh bone while they're wrangling around on the ground, and all of a sudden that ends the fight, who knows what could be happening here? Let me go, the man said. The two still locked in battle. Dawn is coming. Oh, also, one last thing. Um, Keeping in mind the possible other translation of what happens here, this is Young's literal translation of the Bible um, from the 19th century of this. And Jacob is left alone and restless with him until the ascending of the dawn, and he seeth that he is not able for him, and he cometh against the hollow of his thigh. Mm. (laughs) Sorry. I won't let you go until you bless me, Yaakov said. What's your name? Yaakov. People will no longer call you Yaakov, the man said. You shall now be called Yisrael, because you have fought with both God and men, and you have won. This is the weirdest one-night stand ever. (laughs) Tell me your name. Why do you have to know my name, the man said, and blessed Yaakov there. Keeping it anonymous, nice. I have seen God face to face, but my soul was saved, Yaakov said. He called the place Peniel. So Peniel means face of God. And I was thinking recently about this, about how it's almost this wrestling match in the middle of the desert. If you know anything about professional wrestling, um, anybody here a fan of professional wrestling? No. Yes. What is the, the bad guy in professional wrestling called? The heel. The heel, that's right. Do you know what Yaakov means? No. Heel. Oh. Yaakov starts this story as a heel, and then he has a fucking wrestling match. And every once in a while in wrestling, there's something called a turn. You can have a heel that turns into a hero. And Chris, what is the hero called in wrestling? Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Okay. But, like, let's say it was an indefinite hero. There are multiple heroes. I don't know. The face. Oh. Right? The heel becomes the face. Yaakov called this place Peniel, which means face of God. 
and his name was, he was renamed as Wrestler with God. He became the Wrestler with God and did so in the place that he's calling face. This was the world's first face turn. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the sun rose. Since McMahon for read this, definitely. <laughs> the sun rose for Yaakov as he passed Penuel limping on his thigh. That's why the children of Israel do not eat the sciatic nerve above the thigh bone to this day, because Yaakov was touched there. Sure. <laughs> uh, this is chapter 28, <laughs> in which Yaakov finally reconnects with his crazy prance brother. Yaakov looked up, and yowza! Esau was coming with 400 men. Yaakov sent the children to Leah, Ruchel, and the two lady slaves. He put the lady slaves and their kids in front, followed by Leah and their children, and finally Raquel and Yosef. Well, it's pretty clear he wants to die the least. <laughs> Yaakov bowed to the ground seven times before approaching his brother. Which is why Jews bow seven times whenever they... No, that's not. Asaph just... ran to greet Yaakov, embraced him, and fell upon his neck. Asaph kissed Yaakov, and the two brothers cried. Okay, here's a crazy thing that I'm going to have to use the text to really get right. In the original Hebrew, there are dots above the word for, and he kissed him. According, or this demands interpretation, since there are usually absolutely no markings in the actual, uh, in the scroll that's read by Jews in synagogue. <laughs> um... According to Rashi, some people think the dots signify that Esau's kiss was not wholehearted. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai differs. He says that since we already know that Esau hates Yaakov, the dots are there to tell us that, despite what we might think, the embrace was sincere, okay? Alternatively, Rav Yanai, another person, has a third completely crazy opinion. To fully represent the crazy, here is a translation of what Rav Yanai says from an article in Jewish Bible Quarterly by Moses, or by Moise A. Navon, so this is not my translation, this is Moises' translation. Rav Yanai said, the dots teach us that he didn't come to kiss him, but rather to bite him. But Yaakov Avinu's neck turned to marble, and thus the teeth of that wicked one were blunted. Thus, when the text says, and they cried, this one cried over his neck... <laughs> And this one cried over his teeth. I have an alternative um, suggestion. Maybe somebody got some schmutz on the first manuscript and we've been copying it ever since. Esau looked up and saw the women and the children. Who are these people, Esau asked. These are the children God has with his grace given to your slave, Yaakov said. The lady slaves came forward with their children and bowed down. Leah and her children approached and bowed, followed by Joseph and Raquel, who also bowed. Keep going. What's with all the animals you sent me, Asaph said. I was hoping to find favor in my master's eyes, Yaakov said. I have a lot of stuff, brother, Asaph said. What's yours shall remain yours. So he rejects the tribute, right? I, like like, the, traditionally, Asaph is the evil brother. Um, but I have a lot of trouble with that, actually. Now that, now that I'm going through this and reading it again on my own, Esau is kind of the aggrieved party in this. Yaakov stole, like, tricked him into selling him his birthright, um, then ran away, then ran away for years, and like, has been kind of screwed Esau over really, really early. I'm starting to side with Esau in this. Yaakov's kind of a dick. 
And, oh yeah, and then Yaakov, how did I forget this? Dressed up like Esau, went to their father and received the blessing that was meant for Esau, who was the firstborn son. Esau's not the bad guy. He's made up as one of like the antitheses of the Jewish people of this um, like embodiment of negativity or evil that the Jewish people are fighting against this whole time. But he's kind of the one that gets dicked over in this story. No, please, Yaakov said. <laughs> if you favor me, please take my... Uh, tribute, probably, but there's right. no word there. Sorry. If you favor me, please take my tribute. I have seen your face. Seeing it was like seeing the face of God. And I can tell you have been appeased. I should know. I hung out with a guy who told me he was God last night. <laughs> please, take the blessing I brought you. God has favored me. I have everything. Yaakov insisted, and eventually Esau caved in and took his gift. Let's travel together, Esau said. I'll walk beside you. I would, my master, Yaakov said. But as you can see, the children are weak, and I have to care for the nursing sheep and the cattle. If we drive them hard for one day, all the sheep will die. Oh, God, they just got reunited, and he's already using the baby sheep excuse. Why don't you, my master, go on ahead of me, your slave? I'll walk slowly to keep up with the children. We can, meet up, we can meet up in Seir. Let me give you some people from the nation I have with me, Aesop said. Wait, nation? Holy shit. What for? My master, just let me be, Yaakov said. Oh my god. From this passive, Jew, from this passive, nice that I said passive, Jews learn the everlasting tradition of it's, it's okay, you go ahead, don't wait up for me, I'll catch up, I'm fine, you're young, it's okay, I have to take care of some sheep or something. <laughs> that day, Esau got back on the road to Seir. Yaakov went to Sukkot and built a house there. According to Rashi, he lived there for 18 months. <laughs> For his livestock, he built huts. That's why the place is called Sukkot. Literally the dumbest reason to name a city, because shelters were built there. We should just call every city buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Yaakov got to the city of Shechem, which is under the land of Canaan, completely whole. Supposedly his limp was healed. That's what completely whole means. He got there from Padam Aram and camped out by the entrance to the city. Yaakov brought the piece of the land where his tent was, pitched from the sons of Kamor, father of Shechem, for one hundred kesitas. Whatever the hell those are. There he set up an altar and called it, El is the God of Israel. And that is chapter 28. Let's hear it for Chris. Thank you so much, Chris Hastings, for reading that with me. That was really fun. There was wrestling. There was uh, necks made out of stone. Which you want out of every good story? Oh man, yeah, like like that's the best. <laughs> like put that on uh, Van Helsing. Yeah, <laughs> put that on AMC. Looking for a show after Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for anonymous uh, wrestling. Yeah, for uh, tolerating my attempts at pronunciation. No, you were awesome. That was really great. All right. Well. Yeah, we should do the pronunciation guy with future guests. I think that was <laughs> we worked through this beforehand. But let's do our Devar Torah. <laughs> this is a segment of the show where we do a Devar Torah. Devar Torah typically means like a sermon, uh, uh, an essay about the Torah, but I like to cut things down. Literally, Devar Torah means a Torah word. Chris, can you sum up everything that we talked about today in one word? Leg touch. Yep. 
hyphenated. I will accept it. Thank you. Um, my word was wrestling. Mm. I think thematically Jacob is wrestling with a lot of things. And I, 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 in preparing this, I thought it was interesting that um, the name of the Jewish people, the name that J- Jacob is given is Yisrael. And the name of the land of Israel is Yisrael. Uh, the Jewish people are B'nai Yisrael. And Yisrael means wrestling with God. And it, it struck me, and I literally never thought about this before, but it struck me that um, there are people who call themselves God wrestlers. There are people who deal with the struggle with believing in God because believing in God um, is not necessarily an easy thing to do and, and keeping faith or tradition or religion is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Um, and this book is not necessarily the easiest book to read. And I've come to think that like that's kind of a tradition that I'm embracing while doing this, I never realized that this is what I was doing when I started translating this. This was my wrestling with the, the Tanakh or the Old Testament. But I've been wrestling with God this whole time. And this is sort of the, um, the legacy that's been handed to me. And that's one that I accept readily. And that's kind of cool. That's, exci- that's, that's I, what I got. <laughs> I, I can't believe I could have just been calling him Jacob this whole time. Yeah. It's, well, don't worry. The Bible makes the same mistake again and again and again <laughs> after this. Um, after the, we're, we're about to close out the podcast, but after we do this recording, we're going to have a conversation. I haven't been talking about this on the show, but I like to talk about what we've read, uh, do a general Q&A if the audience wants to ask me anything, but also just discuss uh, the pieces that we've read because this is sort of a liturgical event. Um, so if you'd like to be a part of that conversation, please come to the live show. The live shows are really cool, really fun. Chris, I'm going to write down your little speech thing. Do you have anything to plug? Anything you want the audience to check out? Yeah, um, I've got all kinds of comic projects going on. Uh, my main gig is that I am the writer and artist for The Adventures of Dr. McNinja, uh, which is a webcomic. You can read. Thank you. Polite applause. <laughs> it's I, great. I, it's awesome. I thanked the polite applause, and then you got ruckusy. Now I withdraw it. Uh, yeah, that's a webcomic available at drmaninja.com with collections from Dark Horse available at your local comic shop or Barnes & Noble. Uh, or Amazon, whatever. Uh, I am also the author of the aforementioned Long Shot Saves the Marvel Universe, which is coming out every other week uh, through December until we find out how exactly the lucky mutant with hollow bones and four fingers saves the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, you haven't. You don't have a plan yet. Oh no, I already read the whole thing. Okay, not okay. when I started though. <laughs> uh, there were some really tight deadlines, and very I didn't J. J. know Abrams how he you. was going to do it at first. Uh, yeah, it was. It was very J.J. Abrams. Yes, yes. Uh, except Greatness. that it does have an explanation. <laughs> uh, and then I'm also the artist of the uh, web comic uh, based off the video game Galaga, which is simply called Galaga. Awesome. And that's at shiftylook.com slash comics slash Galaga. There's a lot of ways to check out Chris. I make uh, so many comics. Please do it. Talk to him on the internet. Tweet at him. Send him direct messages sure. constantly. That's it. At Dr. Hastings. Yeah. Um, the podcast you can find on facebook.com slash omgbible. The Twitter handle is at omgwtfbible. Tumblr.com or omgwtfbible.tumblr.com. The website is omgwtfbible.com, and you can get everything from there. Old episodes, new episodes, future episodes you can't get because they haven't been made yet. You can listen on Stitcher, iTunes, podcast apps. Please, if you like this, share it. Tell people about it. Yell at them on the street about it. Especially rate and review us on iTunes. It helps boost up the ratings and let people know that this thing exists. I want to thank Fanny Wu for putting this show together, help letting me be part of uh, Sin Rostro, which is awesome. 
our audio engineer, John Passaro, who's, yeah. No, give it up for him. This was a, we had to figure out, he ran all the way to the Guitar Center on the other side of town to buy the cable so that we could actually record this tonight. So he is an awesome man. Uh, Wendy Chin for making our posters every single month. Our live audience for being here tonight. Thank you. And you, our listeners. Please be sure to tune in for episode 16 with Lux Alptrum at the Magnet Theater on December 30th at 7 p.m., hitting the internet December 6th. And make sure to listen, because next month in the Bible, Dinah gets in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs>